Hello, and you're listening to the Convos with Bill podcast. Today, we're here with Coach John Sneeders. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm not doing too bad. So, Coach Sneeders is actually the head varsity baseball coach at Lima Central Catholic, and he is also the athletic director. So, today, we're going to be asking him a few questions. So, back in 2012, you actually led a team to the state championship uh, in Columbus to Huntington Park, and uh, they lost in the state championship on a very questionable call at home plate. I want you to talk about the events that led up to that state run and what was different about that team that made them the special team that was able to go to state. Well, Billy, that I tell you, that, that was a very special team. It was the right combination of, of everything you have to have to make a run like that. Talent, chemistry, some good fortune along the way, and then really performing in the big moments. In a single elimination baseball tournament, you have to have all those things because any one thing can cost you a game. Now we we talked about you know the the year before the 2011 team had some really talented seniors on it and 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 probably had more baseball talent on that team than the, the 2012 team. We had a disappointing loss in the tournament in the district finals in in 2011. A lot of the guys that played in 2012 were actually JV players the year before, but they they there was the, about halfway through the season we had a a meeting at practice one day and. We looked at the other teams in our district, and we looked at how we matched up, and and we were just a little, we were one step away from being really good. And I, I challenged the guys. We all looked at each other. We we knew our competition. We said, why not us? You know, why can't we be that team? And that group really bought into that. They they were they were close. They they hung together off the field. And from that point on, we were a very difficult team to beat. And. We got into the tournament and actually had to win an extra inning game against Bath in the sectionals. It was a 10 inning deal where we were down and, and had some you know crazy rallies to extend the game a couple of times and then were able, fortunate enough, to get the win late um, and really had a great momentum going into the districts. We played really well, beat Ottawa Glandorf and Coldwater in the districts. And then, then it was kind of unknown territory. You know, when you get to the regional, you're playing teams that you're not familiar with, teams you don't play, you know, on a regular basis. We had, uh, and so you, you got to do a little bit more homework. Um, you know, there was a lot less video back then than there is mm-hmm. today on teams and a lot less information out online. So had a, had a lot of conversations with coaches and, and felt like we had a decent scouting report on, on our regional opponent, uh, Mylon Edison. Won a tight ball game, played really well defensively in the regional semifinal. And then, you know, we watched the, the other regional semifinal after us and watched Bloom Carroll just absolutely crush the ball against, yeah. against Elmwood. You know, we, were, we knew that, that we really had our, our, uh, our work cut out for us <laughs> to hold them down. And uh, we got a, a, a just an unbelievable pitching performance in the regional final from Nick Watkins and, and were able to win that game one to nothing. And next thing you know, you look up and you're in the state semifinals, yeah. you know, and uh, – Played another, again, really great pitching and defense throughout that tournament run. I don't know that we gave up more uh, outside of the sectional game. I think it was like a 10-9 to 9 game. We, we, we gave up you know, three runs or less in every other tournament game. It was yeah. pitching and defense that was carrying us because we were not a great offensive team, but we, we got big hits in big moments because we had some really clutch guys. Um, the state final against Wheelersburg, um, we didn't know much about them, mm-hmm. you know, they're from down the Portsmouth area, and we knew that they had been to the state tournament, I think, five of the previous six years, and they had had some really bad fortune yeah. uh, in some games, you know, and and had not come away with a state title. And their coach, um, Michael Estep, I believe was his name, he had played here in Lima for the Lima Locos, so there was some, some connection there, but 
it was another great ball game. Um, you know, they, they scored on an infield. Um, we brought the infield in. They had a runner on third, one out. They hit a ground ball. Our throw to the plate was a little bit off, and so they scored a run that way. And then they had a freshman pitcher by the name of Wade Miller who had had a fantastic year. All their pitchers had fantastic years. I believe they had 18 shutouts on the season. And he threw a perfect game through six, through six innings. Wow. So we were 18 up and 18 down, just really kind of overwhelmed by the moment, maybe a little bit, but really just by him. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was a freshman that was a stud and and had pitched obviously a lot of big games for them as their number two, uh, but really was impressed by him. So we get to the we get to the top of the seventh. We're down one to nothing. There's one out, so we actually went 19 in a row out to start the game. Yeah, and we, you know, Travis Clark, who was probably our top player on that team, a senior who ended up pitching at Siena Heights and then Bluffton University. Travis hit a line drive down the right field line. And their right fielder, you know, probably should have just let it land for a single, given the situation. But he's trying to preserve the no-hitter, the perfect game, in the state mm-hmm. championship game. And he goes <laughs> and he dives to the line for that ball and, and misses it, and it rolls to the fence. And so Travis ends up on third base with one out in the seventh inning. And – you know, our, our, our side of the stadium just exploded. I, yeah. I mean, it was, it was incredible. We have Connor D our catcher at the plate and he, he hit a ground ball to the second baseman and uh kid's name was Garrett Carmichael. I'll never forget his name. Made a nice play to his left threw a strike to the plate and cut down our base runner trying to score. I did not have a great angle of the, of, of the call. Of course, you know, everybody on our side's yelling safe and everybody on the Wheelersburg side is, <laughs> is celebrating because obviously that was a huge moment, you know, the video, you know, tells you know the video tells a little bit of a story. There's some photographs that tell a little bit different story. But at the end of the day, you know, baseball has judgment calls in it. Every pitch is a judgment call, and and that's part of the game, and everybody knows it. And and we were called out, and and we lost the game one to nothing. You know, a lot of folks, a lot of reporters talked to me about that play afterwards, and. You know, my immediate reaction was, you know, we had 18, 19 outs to start mm-hmm. the game where we could have done something a little bit better than we did. So certainly the game was decided not by not by a call, but but by a, a really good baseball team that just got the better of us today on that particular day. And to be quite honest, that could have happened at any of one of those games uh, throughout that tournament run. But it was certainly a, a great team, a lot of fun, and um, an experience that I don't think any of us will ever forget. Yeah. Yeah, that was I was I was still a little kid at the time, and I remember, I remember uh, when that play happened. I believe did you um, pinch run Ryan Kalsian for Travis? Sure, sure. Clark Clark was not fleet of foot. He went yeah. he went to college as a pitcher, not anything else. And uh, so we did. We pinch ran Ryan Kalsian, who was a little speedster we had off the bench. And you know he did everything right. It just the kid made a made a, a nice play, you know. You just you just got to trust your guys. You know yeah. he, that's the role that he had played all year, and he did a great job and did what he was supposed to do, and it just didn't come out in our favor. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's like you said, there's definitely pictures and uh, <laughs> videos that would tell a different story to that call. But uh, like you said, that's baseball. Things right. happen, and you just got to move on. You got to live with it. Yeah, you control what you can control. It's a big part of baseball. Exactly. So uh, I'm gonna ask you. About so you, you're still the coach and you've been coaching for a long time. So as a coach, what would you say your expectations for your players are? Not only to play, but more to act on the field. What what are your expectations for your players in that sure. sense? Our team guidelines that we signed at the beginning of the year have 
sort of a, a set of, I guess, without, they're not called this, but sort of like some core values. You know, we talk a lot about, about loyalty, about enthusiasm, responsibility, self-discipline. And, you know, they're characteristics of people, not just of what you want a ball player to be, but what you want a person to be. And that's really what this is about. You know, our, our mission of our school and the mission of, of interscholastic sports is to teach life lessons through sport. And so to take it beyond just the baseball player, what are the characteristics that we're going to use baseball to, to try to help mold young men? And, you know, so when it comes down to it, that's what we expect on the baseball diamond, you know, to be engaged, to be enthused, to be disciplined. I mean, and all those things, to be responsible to yourself, for yourself and your teammates, to take care of your schoolwork and behave yourself in the school building, do all those things that lead up to being a good ball player. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you take adjectives like that and, and you apply that to all aspects of your life, you're going to end up being successful. That's, that's something that I learned from my mentors, coaches that I played for, and that's a big part of, of what we do is stuff I've learned along the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty proud over 20 years of seeing some really successful adults that have come out of, of our school and, and particularly this program. And, you know, it's pretty cool to see them be successful and, and, and maybe think that I, we, you know, that we had a small part in helping make that happen. Yeah. Yep. So like you said, that's his expectation for players to act. What say a player uh, goes on the field or here, we'll give an example. Say a player makes an out. He, he strikes out maybe. And he comes in the dugout and he tosses his helmet, throws his bat, just giving a horrible attitude. What would you say, what happens, or what are the punishments of a player that doesn't meet those expectations of uh, having respect and just having a better attitude and having a, a good attitude? What would you, how do you deal with the player that maybe at, he strikes out and he comes in and he tosses his helmet and he's given a horrible attitude? I think it depends on, on, on what the history with that particular individual is. If this is something that we've seen a lot and have addressed prior to that game, then the, the consequences are going to be stiffer than if, it, if, if it's a one-time deal. Mm-hmm. Either way, there's going to be some consequence, whether that's you know, you know, some verbal correction. If it's a repeat situation, then obviously we're not going to tolerate it and that kid's going to come out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, you know, we, we've had some situations like that, unfortunately, through the years. Most of the time, the kids recognize that after they calm down, that that their reaction was not appropriate for that situation, whether it's an umpire's call or you know the the or a failure on the field of some kind. And that's where you also you, this is where you really find what kind of team dynamic you have. If you've got good leadership, then a lot of times that stuff takes care of itself. The players will address that themselves and. And, and it may even prevent it from ever even happening. So it, there's a lot of variables that go into uh, to that. I don't have a one-size-fits-all answer to that question. But, um, you know, th- this is where knowing your players, knowing their mindset, knowing what the team dynamic is, those are all factors that are going to affect whether that situation happens and then how it's handled from there. But no, no doubt that type of stuff is not tolerated in our program, and, nor in most most yeah. good programs and uh you just 
you know, you try to do the things up before that to prevent that those types of things from happening because it is embarrassing, not just to that individual and their families, but everybody else that's wearing the uniform. So yeah. it's kind of a you're accountable to us in that situation. We're all we all look the same, we all are dressed the same, we all represent something, and it's up to everybody to carry that out 100% of the time. Yep. So yeah, like you said, represent what's on the front of your shirt mm-hmm. because as as in baseball, it's it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. And you really, you really need to be that. You don't want to be the person that makes your team look bad. So that's right. So next, we're going to talk about like, like we said, you've been coaching a, a long time. You've, mm-hmm. you've, you've coached a lot of baseball in your lifetime. Um, has there been anything, any like any changes in your thinking or looking at the game of baseball over time as you've coached? I think, I think the one, the biggest thing that comes to mind is just the development of of throwing routines and arm care that seems to be something that has emerged in the game at all levels of the game you know we are a lot more aware of what leads up to arm injuries i think there's been a lot of research done in the last 20 25 years that i've been coaching and there's a lot of tools available for coaches and the rules have changed around pitch counts and things like that that have forced us to kind of take a different approach to how how we go about um, taking care of the kids and and, and uh, so I think that's the that's the first thing that comes to mind from a baseball strategic standpoint. Not a lot. I mean, in a small school, you really have to adapt your style to the, the personnel that you have, the players that you have. So um, we, we we take a look at each group and say, oh, what's what's the formula for us winning with this particular group? And it, and it really does change a lot from one year to the next, where I think at, at some bigger schools or universities, you know, you can kind of handpick kids that fit your style. Whereas we, we kind of see, well, in a small school, who, who rolls out and wants to play some baseball, and then how do we make this group win? And as our school has gotten smaller, that, that has become more and more difficult because you have to, you know, you, your, your best pitcher is also might catch for you or play shortstop. And so they're, they're, you really have to manage, manage arms, manage reps, manage throws, not just on the days they pitch, but then on their off days too. Yeah, exactly. So, so speaking of, so since we're in a small school, obviously, like you said, your best pitcher might also have to catch and play the mm-hmm. field. So, would you say, so could you explain the importance of kids then growing up and like the like the importance of them playing youth baseball and learning not only how to pitch but learning the whole game as they grow up? Could, could you explain the importance of? what that really is, especially in a school like ours, that's pretty small. No, no question. Having all of those, understanding the game is, is so important because you, you want them to know the basics, ins and outs of, of, of the game strategy and the fundamentals so that they're not having, so that they're not having to learn and think about that while, while they're playing at the high school level. You know, the, the participation rates in, the participation rates in youth baseball um, have decreased in, in our area and I think in a lot of places uh, it's a hard game it's a game that requires a lot of practice yeah and uh, and so you know even even more important that we um, that the kids continue to play um, and and you just never know especially in boys sports you never know what kid who might struggle when he's in in a youth program might grow and blossom into a stud uh, boys' bodies and their their athletic abilities change as they grow up, and everybody grows up at different rates. And so it's uh, it's you know our our focus is just ha- making the kids have a good experience, 
and if they enjoy the game to keep playing the game as long as, 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 as it is fun. And then, you know, have as many kids walk into the high school excited about baseball as we can. That's, you know, there's so many more sports and activities for kids nowadays. So that's uh, a challenge to, to keep the numbers up. And, and we've heard that we've seen that. And I've seen that in, in both big schools and the small schools. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be good at something, you need to play it a lot and you need to learn it. And baseball is a complex game that requires a little bit more time than maybe some. But again, youth baseball is extremely important, it, you, know, it, you know, whether you end up being a high school baseball player or not, for socialization, for, for uh, you know, understanding, you know, how to accept failure because there's a lot of failure in the game of baseball um, and uh, really helps build build a, a quality person so that's why I got into it that, yep. that you know that's that's what helped make me who I am and and try to translate that to as many kids as are willing yeah so so yeah like you said playing youth baseball and growing up into the game of baseball is how you're going to be prepared for the high school level and the junior high level mm-hmm. and that's how you'll grow in the game of baseball so it's a very important thing that kids can start at a young age especially in a very complex game like baseball for so sure. so and then Still on youth baseball here, and not even youth baseball, this goes into high school too. Nowadays, this has really become a big part of the game of baseball, not so much like it used to be. Nowadays, kids are playing on a lot of travel teams, and they travel everywhere playing baseball. As a school high school coach, how do you feel about travel baseball and kids traveling around the country playing baseball on these teams? I mean – I'm starting to learn this a little bit as my son is a 12-year-old and getting to experience this travel baseball world for the first time. I mean, as a high school coach, you want your guys in the summer to get as many reps as they possibly can. And, you know, due to the limitations of the rules and how much we can coach our guys and and, and some of the limitations of, of summer leagues in, in, in our particular area, you know, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of the travel baseball for the kids that really want to commit to baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot, a lot of multi-sport athletes in our school, and baseball isn't their first priority, and I certainly understand that. Um, that doesn't mean they can't be on my team come springtime. But we do have a few select guys, such as yourself, that have invested a lot of time in the travel experience and have gotten a, a lot out of it. So I'm, I, I'm not a – you know, I'm not a guy that, that's opposed to travel baseball. My, my goal for the summer for my guys is play as much meaningful baseball as you possibly can and, you know, without putting yourself at risk. You know, and I recognize that basketball coaches are going to say the same thing and football coaches and soccer coaches and everybody, yeah. they're going to say the same thing. But, again, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, what's a priority to you and, in, and you know, understand that you got a responsibility to all your teammates in all the sports. But there's enough time in the summer when you're a kid – to focus on and put a lot into, if baseball is your thing, travel baseball, but then also be able to meet the obligations of the other sports at the same time. Um, you know, um, so I, I, I like the travel baseball experience. I think, you know, if it's any team is as good as, as the coach and the coaching staff that's there in terms of setting the expectations and then, you know, not putting the athletes at too much risk. You know, and, and you can go to one of these tournaments and you can find the groups of people that are doing it the right way. And then you can obviously observe some folks that are, you know, putting some kids at risk by overuse and, and doing, you know, a lot of yelling and screaming and carrying on. And, you know, and, and that's not the right way. But yeah. um, all in all, you know, I think the travel baseball has a lot of positives for kids that really want more than just what their rec leagues are offering locally. Yeah. Yeah. Me, myself, I've played a lot of travel baseball in my lifetime. And I'd say, 
because I also play school ball and I've been on both sides and I say I, travel baseball is a very positive thing for someone who's really trying to expand their game and know what it's like uh, in better situations. But like I said, I love playing school baseball. And mm -hmm. to be honest, I almost love playing – I probably love playing school ball more than I like playing travel ball because there's more of that hometown mm -hmm. uh, rivalry sort of thing where in travel ball you go against teams you, – sometimes you'll find that rival team that you play a lot in tournaments, but usually you're going against teams you never heard of, never heard of any of these kids, but then you play – School ball, where you know the hometown guys and you know the people around you and you go up against these rival teams. Like, so for us, when we play Shawnee, that's a big rivalry game. And there, there's a lot of tension going into games like that. Where So, honestly, uh, I love playing school. I love playing travel ball. And like you said, travel ball can be a very positive experience, especially in the summer, to get as many, uh, get as many um, good reps as you can in the summer to get better because – there are some coaches out there that don't like their summer players playing travel ball. And luckily, we have a coach here that does allow that, and he, he wants you to get as, uh, as, as good as you can in the summer so that way – come springtime he's got some good baseball players coming around so sure, sure. So, and I think it also what it also does is it gets you outside of the box of your local community and say you know hey you know especially when you have kids from a small school and in, in, and in this area where everything is very local to say all right let's get let's get outside the box and see as a measuring stick of my ability versus a kid from the Columbus area or the Dayton area and say, Hey, you know, where do I stack up compared to other kids? And you don't get that through your rec leagues or your local stuff. You get that through, through the, through the travel ball experience. So I think it has definitely has some value on that front too. For sure. For sure. So, uh, this is a very common thing among, among coaches and even players. Um, a lot of coaches have a superstition when it comes to baseball. So some will, wear the same socks for every game, some uh, might only wear this undershirt. Uh, do you have any superstitions as a coach? I have one, and it's during the National Anthem. Whenever the National Anthem is played, I always think about the same things. I think about my grandfathers, who both fought in World War II, mm -hmm. and I think about all of the deceased members of my family. You know, And I just think that you know, growing up, um, we were a, a patriotic bunch. Mm -hmm. You know, the Fourth of July, Memorial Day were, were big holidays uh, for us. We used to gather at a lake cottage and, and really have a lot of fun with cousins and aunts and uncles and our grandparents and such. And that's just always been really important to me. And and there's just nothing like this might sound kind of corny. There's nothing like a baseball game and the national anthem before mm -hmm. a baseball game. It's just it's so America yeah. that it just it just fills me with pride in knowing that that my grandfathers, you know, helped protect that and defend that. They were, they were certainly better men than me. And, and uh, I uh, just, that's something I always, always think about during the national anthem. Now, in terms of the baseball part, I'm not big on the superstition thing. I mean, there's things that I do. I mean, I'm, I, there's things that I do a lot. I'm a clapper. I clap a lot. Mm -hmm. I chatter a lot, but nothing, nothing court, nothing really weird or specific that, that I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm not smart enough. I, I got to be paying attention to the game. I can't be worrying about uh, worrying about superstitions. Yeah, or anything yeah. Like that, so. I, yep, I completely understand that. Now, me personally, um, my superstition when it comes to baseball is my long hair. I feel like I don't play as well when I don't have a long a, ch a cheddary curly uh, flow coming out of the back of my hat. So that that's kind of my superstition. Um, well, your future coach is certainly jealous of that flow. <laughs> As I've been receding since I turned 30. So. 
but yeah so yeah I, I, that, that's that's my my hair is definitely my superstition any anyone that has coached me would know <laughs> would know that so now I'm going to ask you about in every one of my episodes I include something about food and I try and make it a different questions but since we're out here in the base on the baseball field we're actually uh, in the dugout right now doing this interview so we're out on the baseball field. I want to ask you, during a game, what would you say is your favorite in-game snack? So, like, maybe whether that's uh, peanuts, uh, sunflower seeds, uh, beef jerky, the difference between each person. What would you say your favorite in-game snack is? Well, I'm the first of all going to say whatever's free is going to be my favorite. That's my <laughs> benchmark. I don't, I'm not usually very prepared, and I really just go around and steal stuff from my players. <laughs> Which, after COVID-19, I don't know if that's going to be acceptable anymore. Yeah. But um, I'm a barbecue seed guy. Oh, yeah. Barbecue sunflower seeds. Uh, that was the only flavor that we had back when I played in high school in the mid-'90s. It was, it was original or it was barbecue. And when barbecue came out, it was like our minds were blown, and, and that's what we did. My, I, I, there were some guys on my high school team that, that would eat – uh, dog biscuits, like milk bone dog biscuits, and then they would just bark at bark at each other. I don't know, and they tried to get me to do that, but I just could not take a dog treat and put it in my <laughs> mouth, and I don't think I could ever do that. But that's probably the weirdest thing I've ever yeah. seen. I had a guy, I had a, a kid a couple years ago. Well, it was probably a good number of years ago now. That one kid, that one kid would bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to every game, and one kid would eat the crust, and then the other kid would eat the rest of the sandwich, and that oh. was like their team bonding thing. So, <laughs> there's all kinds of weird stuff that goes yeah. on in dugouts for people that aren't baseball followers. Um, it, you, you gotta you gotta be in there to know it. But no, I'm 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 pretty basic. I'm a sunflower seed guy, and and uh, barbecue's the best. Uh. <laughs> you can get all this ranch and dill pickle stuff out of here. I I, I got I got nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely say I'm that dill pickle guy. So, yeah, that I'd have, I'd have to say that that's up there with um yeah the the gums in there. Uh, but seeds definitely rank top of the list for me. Also, yeah, no seeds. We're not allowed to have seeds this year. No, it's, it's really really killing me. I'm, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna have to do to substitute. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. It is like yeah, it's just, it's it doesn't feel normal not being able to have uh, yeah. sunflower seeds on a baseball field not at all. All right, so next question back into uh, uh, the coaching side of you. Uh, I want to ask you, what are your expectations going into next year and the following years after that uh, for your team? Well, it, next year is going to be really interesting because there wasn't a this year. Yeah. you know. And t I guess we take it back to two years ago. We played a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, um, and we took our lumps a little bit because we, we really weren't prepared. We graduated a big senior class in, I guess that would be 2018. Uh, so 2019 brought a lot of new faces, a lot of young faces that were really probably not prepared for varsity baseball, but they were the best that we had, so, so they had to play. Uh, this year, was 2020, was set to be kind of a, a coming of age of some of those guys, their, their second year of varsity ball. And I really saw a lot of growth in them physically and, you know, baseball-wise, uh, skill-wise, in those few weeks of practice that we had before we got shut down. So next year becomes even more interesting because a lot of those guys are seniors and juniors now and really still don't have the the amount of experience that they would typically have but are, are going to be set and, and have those expectations to be really good. Now, the good thing is, is that every every – school and every team is going through that with yeah. having so it's going to be a very interesting year I, I think we've got pretty high expectations for this year we've got a nice blend of of talent and some really diverse players that can do multiple things and to our point earlier when you're at a small school and you know you've got 
you know, you got position players that pitch, having some movable parts is a huge, huge advantage. And, and we've got some pretty athletic kids that can play multiple positions that grew up playing multiple positions. We've got old guys and young guys. And so I think we've got, you know, I think the leadership component is going to be huge, but I think we've got the elements there that if, if we can glue it all together, we've got a chance to be pretty good. And then moving forward, I see the same thing coming, kind of coming through the ranks as well, where the numbers aren't strong, the quality of talent is there. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about what, what the, the next four or five years could bring for our program. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Me coming, me coming as an <laughs> upcoming freshman, I'm very excited to play for this baseball team. So sure. that, that's, that's for sure. So as we're coming up on time here, I like to end all of my episodes the same way. Uh, I always have the person I'm talking with end with some words of inspiration and words of wisdom for the people listening. So I'm going to ask you, for someone listening to this right now, what are some words of inspiration that you can give them? Well, those who know me know I'm a pretty simple guy, you know, and I, you know, I read inspirational things that other people have said or written. And I really, I really like, I really like things, but, but if it's really coming from me, it's a very simple message. And that's when, whatever you're involved in, whatever you choose to do, leave it better than you found it. And we, we are a society that where we come in and we participate in things and then we drift away from those things and those programs continue on, but our time in those programs is usually relatively brief. You know, as a parent, you get involved when your kids are involved. As a, as a kid, you get involved when you're at the correct age. So we kind of, we all kind of move in and out of organizations and involvement in activities and clubs and things and, and, you know, and, and, and in the workplace, we're all, you know, most people are, you know, don't work someplace, the same place for, for their whole career. You know, if you could approach every day and say, I'm, I'm going to work every day to leave this situation, this organization, this program in a better spot than it was when I first walked in. And if everybody did that, then, then we'd, we'd have some pretty special things in this world. And so, you know, I think that's a good message for students. I think it's a good message for adults. I think it's a good message for everybody. You know, when you enter a situation and then you exit that situation, look back and say, well, I left it better than I found it. You know, it's, it's something that was imparted to me by a coaching mentor of mine a long time ago and something I've always carried with me. That's a very good message. So when you get into something, you always want to make sure that if you ever leave that, you always want to make sure you left it better than you found it, like you said. So uh, we thank you for having, having you on here on this podcast. I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, so uh, uh, very smart guy. So very smart guy, good baseball coach, and uh, I'm looking forward to be able to have him as a coach. And like we said, very thankful for you to be on here. So uh, it was a great time. Uh, answered the questions very well. And to all of you listening, have a great day and God bless.